All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of our Puget Systems Podcast live Q&A show. <laughs> this week, um, as a part of our little potpourri of guests, we have DJ Bailey, a technology consultant here at Puget Systems. Um, and I like uh, I don't know if I highlighted this the last time when I had Jared on. He was also he's uh, another member of our uh, consultant team. Um, I don't know that I highlighted this, but we deliberately do not um, call you guys sales. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important to highlight because um, it's not that's not what you really do. Right. You guys aren't you aren't there to sell stuff. Yeah. Um, and so, I'd, I'd, in fact, I'd like since you're the one who's knee deep in it, I'd like you to kind of <laughs> to kind of uh, give a little bit more of an expansion on the the mindset of mm-hmm. our consultants and and really kind of your idea of what that means uh, sure. like to you and to the company and to customers and that sort of thing. Also, yeah, yeah. A little introduction for yourself and background and things too. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, as as Houston mentioned, I'm I'm DJ Bailey. I'm one of the tech consultants here at uh, at Puget Systems. Um, soon to be actually joining the marketing team. Um, actually, so that's that's an exciting thing coming up in my life in the next month or so. But um, uh, yeah, currently helping out the, the with the consultants. I've been uh, with Puget Systems for. <sighs> like a year and a half now, I think is how long oh, it's nice. been. So, um, but yeah, um, it's funny. The, the consultant name um, rather than going with sales is something that along with just the way the language is on the website and the way that everybody communicated with myself and the way it looked like they communicated with customers, something that really struck me when I was first looking at joining the Puget team. And um, I, I think it's it's funny with a lot of decisions is many of them get made just as much for the people working here as they are for the business reason and like the presentation to the customer. Um, and and the name consultant is is a lot about that too. Like like you said about the mindset um, of of what this job actually entails. Because when I'm describing to somebody who has no idea about computers or anything about what I do, and they're like, "Well, what do you do?" Um, you know, it's kind of hard to describe like without sounding like I'm just a salesman describing in a in a quick little elevator pitch like. Oh well, you know, people who who need higher end computers for these heavier workflows like video editing and photo editing and stuff. And we talk to them about those needs and then figure out what their system. You know, like it just it all sounds a little I don't know. Um, but uh, it's it's really an important distinction because I used to work in sales for years. Mm, um, you okay. know, I worked at big banks and and a couple other types of companies. And um, there are a lot of companies out there where where you get some some really weird vibes, some negative feedback sort of things that happen internally and the sort of things that you're asked to do in terms of um, it, it, trying to make that sale above everything else, you know, and right. it's, it's not, not an experience that I ever really want to go back to. And uh, by the time I was looking at Puget Systems as, as a place to work, um, I was just, I was looking for the exact opposite of that experience in my life. And I was willing to, to take whatever pay cut was necessary to make it happen. Basically, luckily that wasn't the case, but um yeah, uh, it's it's been amazing. So so like I mentioned, uh, you know, working as a consultant, the, the biggest thing is focusing on um, having that conversation with the customer. And as, as weird as and salesy as this can sound, like developing that relationship and talking to them about what their needs are. And a yeah. lot of times, um, Gino, another consultant that I work with, will mention this a lot of times, but uh, a lot of times... There are customers that will write in just saying like, hey, I don't know what's out there. I've got this system now. This is the work that I do. I'm okay. I'm fine now. But, you know, uh, or maybe they are having some sort of a hitch in their in their workflow and they just don't know if they need a new system for it. And a lot of times that can result in a conversation that leads to us not recommending a new system to them. You know, sometimes it's like they have a perfectly acceptable system in terms of like their CPU and their RAM and everything else, but they need say an updated gpu because it's really old or it's failing or something like that you know a lot of times we can make a recommendation just to say hey you're good where you're at you just need this one component you know um and then they're spending seven eight hundred dollars for a new graphics card that they can put into their new their existing system rather than spending several thousand dollars on a new system you know um And that's for me, that's what it's all about. There's never, ever been any pressure uh, in this job from anybody I've interacted with to like get those numbers pumped up sort of thing. I mean, we're all excited whenever we make new sales because we're getting more customers and stuff. But of course, um, uh, yeah, like I said, there's never, ever been any pressure for for me to make that sale or to not have that lengthy of a conversation if it doesn't result in actually earning money for the company or whatever. And that's that's the most important piece, I think. And it keeps all of us in line with you know, what our priorities are across the entire company, you know? Sure. So. Sure. No. And, and as the social media guy, um, I, I see that 
as in a response as well um, from reviews and comments and things on social media is like, um, heck, oftentimes you guys will even recommend something that is uh, cheaper, right? Uh, you know, or uh, or steer a customer towards something that, um, well, is you know, is obviously cheaper, but um, but with the intent of trying to help them get the best that they can. Uh, yeah, like, that's, it's funny the amount of times uh, where like uh, you'll you'll it's easy to tell sometimes when you see a quote that comes through, get saved. If somebody hasn't had a conversation with us yet, uh, okay. that they've just taken every drop down on the configurator and just dialed it up to the most expensive option and then oh, yeah. saved just to kind of. And I think some people are just playing around to see what the highest amount they can see is. But some sure, people just sure. some people genuinely have the impression that like the more money that they throw at the problem, the better it's going to perform form and that's that's obviously not the case yeah. um you know and that's one of the things that that the, the hard work that the labs team does to kind of test all these things really lets us dive deep into um and start digging into people's work and saying like hey you know this 64 core processor from thread river that costs you thousands of dollars all by itself isn't going to be the best use case for something that can only take advantage of four or five cores anyway you know it's just not going to do well for that um so you know you can like you said we can save people a lot of money by dialing those choices back and just letting them know hey we've done the testing here it is this is what worked best and it just happens to be a couple thousand dollars cheaper than what you started with so right yeah I, which i love that i think that that's part of what kind of warms my heart um about the company is like that that's not our goal isn't always to get the most money out of somebody right um the the intent is always to kind of develop that long uh there's a phrase that um that kind of stuck with me from an older job of mine was um the long what is it long-term successful relationship you know um and that's that's really the goal is, is right. to is to have that long-term successful relationship and I yeah really yeah i mean it works out for for us as a business because we're we're building trust and building rapport with customers that's genuine and and you know and and that pays off in the long run of, of that people can literally trust in us as a company and the decisions that we choose to make in the parts that we carry and the advice that we give so that in five six seven years time whenever they're ready for a new system there's no question who they're coming to for it Right. And I, I want to point out that one of your particular customers is actually in the chat right now. Uh, I'm, I apologize if I say this wrong. Kieran Estrada is, uh, I believe that's DJ. it. DJ hooked me up with a great system. Good dude. That's Heck yeah. Right <laughs> that's, that's really neat. Um, I guess, I guess we'll touch on um, what, what's the, what is generally the process for um a new customer do they is it do you find that it's usually um uh, somebody who's like created an account on the website and then, and then a quote uh and then or is it more of the phone calls direct mm. or email sure. direct yeah so i mean it's sometimes it's kind of hard to describe an average day because it can vary a lot um sure. depending on how many meetings i have scheduled that day or <laughs> how many customer calls have been set up for me or zoom conferences that i'm setting up with the customer and like oh. those days can be challenging sometimes because the flow of emails coming in and inquiries coming in and new quotes being saved doesn't really slow down um so if there are days where i have just zoom meetings with customers back to back to back um a lot of times those can be pretty lengthy because um you know often it's people who I haven't talked to a whole lot other than just kind of setting up the first expectation that they are video editing. But beyond that, they haven't given me a lot of information. And so we have to dive okay. really deep, figure out more information about their specific workflow, um, you know, talk about the specifics of maybe um, a couple different systems that might be an option for them, um, mm -hmm. talk about the pros and cons of those different systems and see what's going to work best for their needs. And so it can, it can be kind of a lengthy process. And when you have several of those lined up back to back to back, it can be challenging to find time in the middle of them to get back to your inbox and, and respond to those emails. Um, uh, so it can be pretty hectic, but then there are other days where I don't have a lot of those meetings scheduled and I can really focus on getting responses back out to people. Um, cool. So that that varies a lot. But yeah, that, that's as far as how those inquiries come in and how customers are reaching us, um, that can change the way the conversation starts and goes as well. So um, sure. some people have been following us for years and have found us through uh, videos from Smarter Every Day or, you know, from from any number of other people that we've kind of put content out with um, mm -hmm. over the years. And uh, 
a lot of times those conversations are really great because those people uh, have have been researching us and in some some cases fanboying over us and things like that. And so it's always a fun conversation to have. Yeah. People understand perfectly the value that we're bringing um, to the conversation. And it's just a matter of like, a lot of times those conversations end up being like them knowing the answers to the questions they're asking and me just kind of being a sounding board for them sure. uh, to validate those things and get them up to date on the latest hardware and things like that. And that's, those are super easy conversations, but um, you know, then there's the people that come to us with, with really zero background, zero knowledge. Um, they may have gotten a recommendation from a friend to talk to us, or they just searched best computer for uh, whatever, you know, and, and our website came up and um, those are fun too, because you get to introduce people to that and, and answer all their questions um, and, and, really impress them and wow them with, again, like the level of detail that we've gone into making those decisions for the type of hardware that we choose to carry and, and stuff like that. So um, it can be really varied, um, the types yeah. of conversations I have. And um, a lot of my day can also be spent like doing research for like very specific niche uh, oh. things that I don't have um, information on. Yeah, that's well, no, that, that, that touches on a good point. Cause uh, I, um, I know that there are certain software packages and or or even workflows that uh, we don't specifically test, mm-hmm. um, especially when it comes to to the the big broad content creation. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's all sorts of things like um, oh, geez, I mean, when it comes to like animation and stuff, there's all kinds of weird different softwares and whatnot, mm-hmm. and. Um, how how that's that's kind of that's something i actually have trouble with myself mm. is um how do you translate this the data and the testing that we have done into something that maybe isn't specific to what the customer is trying to accomplish yeah happens all the time um a lot of times it happens in the cad space because there's just a bunch of cad softwares out there 3d space is another big one where there's a lot and like you say just post-production in general um kind of tends to happen as well because a lot of people are using avid uh for example is a big one that we don't have specific testing for we get a lot of inquiries about that still um so those are kind of the three big spaces but there's there's stuff all all around i've helped somebody with um there's a program out there called ftk forensic tool kit and he was literally working for like um I, I forget if it was like fbi or some other uh sort of police force or something but he you know his job was to like take hard drives from computers of like suspects and on these cases and things and and like peel all the data off and parse it through this this software and um so anyway like digging into things like that it can get really really wow. complex but for some of the more um for some of the more normal ones where people have let's say that they're using blender which we don't oh, we don't specifically sure. test for it's a really really common one um, if, if I'm starting out and I don't have a lot of information on it, uh, the first place that I'll go, if I've never heard of the software before is literally just to Google, you know, whatever that software is. And then I tend to Google recommended, uh, hardware rather than, um, like specs or minimum requirements or whatever. Um, because that'll, that'll tend to point you towards some software, uh, developers will have this distinction where there's one site that'll show you the bare minimum requirements. You know, you can get away with using this tiny little, you know, hundred dollar laptop if you wanted to and you could technically run this thing but it's not going to be a good time sort of thing and those are (laughs) those are largely useless um because because those are really trying to give you that minimum bare minimum you can run this program with this kind of thing but um when 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 the software developers have listed on their website like the recommended specs and a lot of times there will be tiers that will be like minimum recommended top end kind of thing. And that's, that's gold. That's pure gold. And we find that stuff. And especially when it's up to date, uh, we tend to rely pretty heavily on that combined with information that our labs team has used um, for software as we do test for. So, uh, you know, cinema 4d um, and unreal engine and, you know, a number of them I'm not thinking of right now, but um, we take a lot of those and, and um, the exposure that the labs team has, and that personally I have talking to people that are doing this type of work on a regular basis and checking in on forum posts and things like that. Mm-hmm. And you start to see the patterns and where those things can differ. And just over time, you start to remember and just be aware of how hardware can be utilized differently in Blender compared to these other softwares. And a lot of it comes down to what the customer is doing, um, sure. honestly, so that the type of workflow for Unreal, for example, can be used for just a, a ridiculous amount oh, of yeah. things. Um, you know, it's it's it, there's no uniform workflow that somebody could be using when they're using that piece of software. So um, talking to the customer and having them describe to me what it is that they're doing is a big thing. And then another really great piece of information is um, getting the, the, what the customer's current system is. That cool. is an invaluable piece of information because a lot of times, like, if, if somebody's never had more than a laptop from 2010 and they're upgrading now to a desktop right. 
from us <laughs> on the high end uh, in in today's you know money. Like that's. <laughs> It, it, I, I, we still want to have that thorough conversation, but it makes it a lot easier of a conversation sometimes, especially if they have a limited budget, because even our lowest end offering is going to be like 10 X, the performance in a lot of cases oh, compared yeah. to what they, they're used to, you know? And so like, um, and it's going to open up a lot of doors for them to be able to do things they probably weren't even doing before just because their system wasn't capable of, of, of going into that. And so um, those can in, in a lot of ways be easier, but um, we also want to make sure like that, like, I, I don't want to make that sound like we don't do like the research for those people to make sure that they're, they're going to be handled with what they're trying to do. Um, yeah. But it can be tough sometimes because if you have limited information, if they have limited information that they're able to provide for what they even want to accomplish, it sure. can be a little more challenging to make, uh, to give advice on like, okay, well, this is how much hardware you need in this area or that area. Um, if, if they don't know what they want to do, <laughs> it's, it's kind of tough. Um, yeah. We tend to err on the side of caution there. We go with systems that are going to be, um, you know, have a decent amount of cores on the CPU, for example, but sure. um, but also be nice, fast clock speeds um, mm-hmm. without going super overboard and making them pay for a system that they may never end up using all those cores kind of thing. So we we land in the consumer space at times with, with situations like that, um, yeah. with like Ryzen 7, Ryzen 9 setups or Intel Core i7, Core i9 setups. Um, so, yeah. Sorry, I kind of went all over the place on that one. Oh, well, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a nuanced, uh, you know, question and topic, so it's, that's okay. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm fiddling. I have. I got to keep my hands busy, uh, <laughs> otherwise, I, I space out and I get distracted by other things. So, um, I'd like to touch on the topic we uh, of of kind of cost. We we've kind of mentioned that we do try to save customer money when we can, uh, but even still, our systems are very high end. Um, mm-hmm. We don't uh, we you know we don't sell i threes. Right. We we I, heck I don't even know that we carry i i fives anymore. Nope. Um, can you shed some light onto maybe the why behind that? Yeah, um, that's a nuanced topic too. Because <laughs> I, I know I know people have come and I know you probably get questions all the time, like, "Hey, I have fifteen hundred dollar budget. What can yeah. you do for me?" Yeah, and that, that's got to be tough. Yeah, it's a challenging conversation to have for sure. Um, we. We still do our best to try and help customers like that, but there are so many decisions that go into the why behind that, that there's no one thing I could even point to. Um, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is that we have now, our, our company has evolved over the last few years from, you know, what was it, six, seven years ago, we were heavy focused on the gaming industry, you know? I mean, sure. we, that was our primary target audience was, was, was you know, people buying gaming systems. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we had kind of identified a, a need a place where there wasn't information out there that was easily accessible. Um, and that's in this in this space that we're working in now, primarily this post-production space, this more professional workflow. Um, a lot of people, especially in post-production, had turned to for, for, for filling that need. Um, oh, Apple. Apple, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, I think, I think that was just kind of the de facto choice for a long time, um, just because it was a high-end system, it cost a lot, and that was, they did a really good job at marketing, <laughs> to be honest, um, yeah. uh, towards people like that. And they're but there wasn't a, there wasn't any like real dedicated company out there that was that was doing this testing dedicatedly focused on like okay we're going to put a and b tests together for these different systems and figure out which of these processors performs better in this month's version of premiere pro that's out right now you know kind mm-hmm. of thing um and so like along with identifying that need and you know seeing people that really wanted to have that information available it was it was also opportunity to kind of grow grow our, our audience, you know, that we were sure. uh, working with. And um, so that's, I know that's not a great answer, but like that's, that's as we started moving into that, uh, some more of our resources, more of our labs time and, and the mm-hmm. people that do all of that testing and spend all that time <laughs> getting all that information, you know, for us um, are, are, are spending that time on, on researching those things. If you start looking at those lower end things, there, there's a huge, I mean, the, the, the price difference between them for buying an i3 with the same setup basically versus buying an i7 or an i9 with the same setup mm-hmm. is not so great that it's worth even really digging into in a lot of cases. You know, it's mm-hmm. just that the price gap between those two processors is small enough that it just, the performance jump is big enough that it just makes sense to, to go that route. And so when we've got all this these resources and this testing built around kind of identifying those needs and, and testing for them. It, it's, it's tough to justify, um, you know, uh, having those, those lower end things. And, and um, yeah, I mean, I think yeah. that's the biggest part of it. Sure. Sure. Um, oh, well, 
Oh, I want to touch on this question from from Twitch actually, but the the uh, the asker is is AFK at the moment, but that's okay. Um, g- game trailer on Twitch um, asks if if you can't do a build on a caller's budget, do you still offer some advice on a baller's <laughs> budget? <laughs> I assume is what I meant. Oh, like I think uh, callers, like somebody calling in, um, like like again, if somebody's like, oh, hey, I have I, I, have, okay. I have X budget, and you know the lowest yeah. end system we can do is more than that. Right. Um, how do you handle that? Yeah, so I I think it, it's I think you're going to find a bit of a variance depending on uh, you know who you talk to that day, and honestly, even even a variance in my own personal self. If you reach out to me, if I if I'm knee deep in a bunch of meetings and stuff that day, I might not have time to get as quick a response as I. I'd like to to somebody sure. who you know I've already had a conversation with and they say I've got a thousand bucks to buy a system that's a tough conversation to have at the very least I mean we we don't treat those people who write into us or call into us any differently than somebody who is a legitimate interest in in purchasing a system from us especially if it's a phone call like phone calls are top priority for us to pick up in, in the consulting sure. department um, and so getting their initial questions answered so that they have enough information to make a decision at the very least is going to be baseline no matter who you talk to email or phone it's going to be hey listen you know our, our literally our minimum price point for a system is like $2,600 or something like that. That's going to be over what you're working with. Um, Unfortunately, we're not able to help you. Here's a couple companies that we've worked with before or that we've sent people to before who've had positive experiences and they probably have something in your budget um, sort of thing. And so that's bare minimum. That's going to be the expectation of of the advice that you would get is for us to sort of point you in the right direction. when I have time, um, I really like to go above and beyond for people um, in that yeah. regard. Um, I tend to try and talk to people more about their what they're trying to do um, and try and get them more specific information. Um, so I've done a lot of research on like different laptops and things like that. Um, and a lot of people write in asking for laptops because we used to oh, do yeah. those as well. So oh, that's yeah. a big thing. And top of budget, it's, it's laptops. <laughs> um, but um, so when I, when I have the time, yeah, I really like to keep myself knowledgeable and up to date on what the offerings from other companies are out there so that people yeah. don't end up in a situation where they won't name any names, but you know, if they end up with a company that isn't as great with the customer service side of things, or they've got a bunch of bloatware that they have installed on their systems and things like that. And they're going to end up with a system that even if it's decent hardware, which isn't a guarantee with certain companies out there, sure. it's, you know, it's going to be so bogged down with bloatware and be such a poor negative service experience that they're going to feel like they wasted their money at the end of the day. That's the biggest thing I want to avoid people jumping into. Even if it's not buying a system from us, I want to point them in directions that they're going to be happy with their purchase and support oh, by that company. I love to hear that. I like, uh, again, in, in the past of my own experiences, um, worked for a company who, who, where we would get questions about things that the company didn't do. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, we don't do that, but I know somebody who does. Yeah. And I, yeah. I always felt that that was kind of cool. It's like, it's, it's not just a, a, closed door you know not at all yeah it never is and and um you know and i sometimes i'll even tell people up front like hey i may not have time to respond to you today but i wanted to get a quick little ping out to you just to let you know like hey we you know we don't have a system that's within your budget i'm happy to continue this conversation but i've got a lot of things on my plate today i might get a response out to you tomorrow kind of thing um and and most people really understand that and are appreciative of it and those conversations tend to go on for a couple days usually um where i just kind of pass back and forth with making recommendations and refining things and then and then you know they'll go find something for them but yeah that's cool you have another fan also this one from <laughs> facebook michael del newt says DJ yeah my guy Green i remember michael <laughs> is it caraco or curacao curacao i think curacao right yeah okay yeah. um yeah, so that's fun. Hey, I like, I like, yeah. I like you know, <laughs> that's super cool. Um, I like, so uh, I, I come from production. My background mm-hmm. is from assembly and stuff. And so I, ha- I know some of the cooler clients that we've had uh, without naming names, uh, of course, because we're, we're very strict on, on, you know, who we talk about and things like sure. that, clients and whatnot. Um, I'm, and I, I'd like to more focus on like what they do, uh, but which sure. one stand? What what client or clients um, stand out to you as as cool, interesting, maybe a bit of a challenge, that sort of sure. thing? Sure. Yeah. Um, for as far as interesting interactions, I think my answer will vary a little bit from what you might find from the other consultants. I think a lot sure. of them do like the idea of like name dropping, like oh, I talked to somebody in Hollywood the other day, and they said they were going to put my name in a movie or something. <laughs> cool stuff like that. But um, you know, I for me, I mean, that stuff is cool, um, but I don't 
tend to get super starstruck. Certainly there'd be some people I'd probably be super starstruck if I had a chance to talk to them. But um, for me, I would say like the times when I get most excited, I kind of alluded to earlier. Um, it's it's those those conversations where people come to us because they have known about us for years. Um, they might have gotten referred to us from, from somebody else and they've been keeping track of us. Um, because those, again, those conversations tend to be so easy and go so well um, that it just leaves like it, it just leaves me feeling really really pleased at the end of those conversations because those 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 customers like already know what they want and they they might be still as thoughtful and asking all these questions but again all the questions like they already halfway know the answer to and they're just trying yeah. to cross validate when they're talking to me so that's and that tends to be what gets me the most excited um I don't know. In terms of like exciting interactions, um, learning new stuff is as time consuming as it can be. Like learning new stuff or, or clients who come to me with something that I've never dealt with before sure. is still pretty exciting for me. Um, when I get to do sort of the research part of the job, um, and 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 in, a, in some cases we've even um, and again this is one we don't always have time to dig super deep into. But when I've got time, and especially if there's not a lot of information available online for some software we don't test for, um, sometimes what I'll do is send a ping out to like the support team at that software developer, for example, it tends to be a really oh. great resource. And they can usually get me in contact. Like if I send just kind of a nice genuine message out that says, hey, I've got this customer, like this is who we are. And they're trying to configure a system that's that's ideal for this. I couldn't find anything on your guys' site that talks about the type of hardware that might be ideal. Um, you know, do you have somebody there on the team that could speak to that with me uh, or give me some advice. And that that ends to be, tends up being pretty fruitful a lot of the time um, mm -hmm. to get information from that. And then I can pass that along to the customer to sort of help make a decision. Um, so interactions like that, although they could be more time consuming, are, are some of the more exciting ones for me rather than just sort of like the, the day in and day out ones because um, it breaks up the monotony. So Yeah. Well, that's kind of cool. Right on. I'm curious too about... Um... I guess after the sell sale, mm. um, I don't know that I've that I've really talked about this uh, at all before. But what what does that look like? Like okay, um, you know, Tom, he's got his premier machine. Right. Uh, what sort of what sort of um, like after sale um, sort of interactions are there? Sure. Yeah. I mean, we. You know, like like we've talked about, the whole goal with the consultant experience from beginning to end excuse me, is, uh, is trying to build this relationship with the customer. And, and that's not, that's not a false, that's not a lie that we're telling to try and make more sales. And so, um, in a lot of ways, we, we've tried to set ourselves up to be the continuous touch point for a customer, um, even after that sale happens. So, so, um, you know, during, well, obviously, especially right now with, with, Kind of extended build times. Um, it, you know, we 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 try and stay in contact with the customer um, mm -hmm. on a regular basis just to make sure they don't feel like they've been forgotten, <laughs> um, or that that you know somehow their system isn't in queue anymore or something like that. And so that's the, those are pieces of it. And we get some responses back from that of people just saying thank you. And sometimes people have questions or want to change their campaign partway through, which is which is great that we have a chance to kind of like spark that thought in them before it's too late. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's always really nice. But um, and then after like once somebody's received their system, yeah. um, we also uh, send an email out. Um, it's just sort of like a final checkup, like, hey, uh, looks like your system got delivered. You've had it for a while. Hopefully you've had a chance to set it up and, and see how it's going. Um, you know, how's everything going, basically? And then we also... Um, you know, I mean, you, I'm sure you know this because you, you get some some stuff back from this. But like we also ask those customers in that email uh, if they'd be comfortable sending along anything, whether it's photos or oh, just sure. kind of like, uh, you know, things like information about what they're doing with their system and just kind of exciting stuff. Because we want to continue that 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 again, that relationship and that contact with, with a customer and let them know, like, we, we're not just making it so we're, we care about what you're doing. We're excited about that kind of thing. Um, and so we get a lot of awesome stuff back from people there um, that gets posted on social sometimes and, and things like that. So that's that's a lot of fun um but also those emails tend to garner a lot of results of people who might have been experiencing like a little glitch or some issue with their system mm. whenever they first got it or maybe just okay. trouble getting it set up uh, for the first time and that's that's also an opportunity in a lot of cases i mean if it's if it's a small thing something simple that that we can figure out um or already know the answer to i can quickly fire off a response back to that customer and get them taken care of right away oh, nice. um but if i don't then that provides a really good opportunity for me to do more of like a warm transfer to somebody on the support team 
rather than them just like they don't know what to expect. They've never had to call into support before. This is the first time they've gotten their system and they're just calling into a number, not really knowing what, could, what sort of experience they're going to get. Instead, I can forward that email on to the support team, copying the customer back and say like, hey, I sent this along to the support team. They're going to create a ticket and they're going to respond back to you and they're going to get started on trying to help you figure out what's going on. Um, so it just, again, it makes for a lot nicer of an experience for people to have that same person that they've already been developing that relationship with, yeah. continue on that conversation with them and get them transferred over to the support team basically to keep that going. So nice. That's cool. Oh, and um, I think it was before the stream, you had mentioned that um, you had a little bit of crossover with, with support in that way. And so it's, it's cool to know that you can kind of bridge that gap a little bit. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, um, I, until, until very recently, actually, I, um, and this is kind of tied in with the marketing move I talked about a little earlier, but, um, I, I'd spent, uh, one day every two weeks on Wednesdays, oh. I would go in and help out the support team. And so, um, especially myself and, and actually a couple other people on the consultants team as well, um, that, that, uh, do a similar thing where they're cross-trained in, in other departments and things, um, uh, we'll, we'll all, we'll have a little more support experience. And so like when customers do write in there, it provides us a little more access to be able to know the answer to the question that they have you know, if they're having a support issue. So that that's great. Um, but it, sometimes like, again, it's, it's kind of a time management thing that can be difficult. Like even if I do know the answer to a question um, or if I know the steps that need to be taken to try and start diagnosing it, especially if I know it's going to be a lengthier process where we have to do some back and forth figuring it out, right. like I'll still pass that along to the support team typically and hand that off just because that that can be hours of, of work sometimes, you know, trying oh, to get yeah. somebody set Jeez. back up. Um, and so... Yeah. yeah. Is there a particular, um, again, without naming names, of course, but I'm, I'm curious of, of a, a particularly challenging um, either workflow, software, client uh, configuration, those sorts of things mm -hmm. that may stand out to your, to you. Sure. Um, you know, some of the more difficult interactions that I have in general tend to be like, the net, like, well, and again, it comes back to this thing. I keep talking, I feel like I'm harping on it now, but like the, the time management part is, is pretty challenging. And so like sure. the, some of the more difficult interactions are when I have to remind myself when to actually say no uh, to somebody. Okay. I have difficulty saying no. I, I like, again, I like going above and beyond. I like doing all that research and like doing all that extra, but at, at a certain point, like it, you know, let's say I've got a customer who's been on with me for two and a half hours of my eight hour workday. You know, that's Ooh. at that point, it's not fair to the other customers that I have waiting on responses for me to, to take that much time, you know, and that's, that's happened, you know? Okay. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so like a lot of customers are actually really, really good about that where they're like, if they set up a time with me, that's 15 minute block or a 30 minute block or an hour or whatever, they, they're really aware of that and respectful of that time. And like, um, at the, towards the end of that time period, they're like, Hey, you know, we're, you know, coming up against this timeline and sometimes Sometimes if I don't have a meeting after, I'll let that conversation, I'll just say, hey, I've got nothing after this. Let's keep going. You know, we're in a good spot yeah. um, or, you know, uh, and so those those are really great for me. But um, then the more difficult ones is when I have to, like, get to the point where I'm, I'm like, trying to figure out a, a kind way to wrap things up or say that we need to follow up later sort of thing, because, um, you know, I do have to, you know, get to other things. That's, that's probably one of the more challenging <laughs> parts of my job, I would say. Um and then one of the other more difficult ones you've already also broached, which is when we don't have when we don't have information for somebody. And I can't like if I've exhausted all my resources and trying to research and figure something out for somebody and I come up shy and I just have to tell somebody like I don't like that's another thing that's really hard for people to say, like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I'm never afraid to say I don't know. And like I I pride myself in a lot of cases of being really upfront and honest with people and saying like, this is the bounds of what I know. This is what I think. And from there, we kind of have to do either additional research or just extrapolation of the information we have, you know? Um, right, and right. the more challenging conversations come when it's a use case that's so unique and out there that there's no information really to be found as far as I can find. And I just have to say like, I don't know. Like we have to, we have to go off of this information we have available. Here's some systems that have worked there before. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know so fingers crossed kind of yeah exactly that's a yeah. that's a tough one um but you know it, it's it, it also you know the thing i kind of tell myself in those interactions is that there's not really unless there's like a specific company setup that sells those exact type of systems which there are you know industries that work that way as well sometimes sure. but unless it's a situation like that like it, it's not like those customers really have any other resource to turn to that's going to be able to aggregate that information for them and so okay. like i 
I still feel like, you know, I go, again, I go as far as I can possibly go um, to reasonably research that information and give them the best course of action that they have, which is still more than what, you know, your off the shelf customer is going to get if they go to Best Buy and pick something up, you know, sure. that, I mean, they're just kind of guessing it. that's going to work for them at that point. So, right. yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, I'd like to we'll we'll talk forward thinking. So you mentioned like Unreal and people mm-hmm. doing some crazy stuff. It's not just video games anymore. Um, I mean, like there's all kinds of CAD stuff going on. There's we touch on and so just in case the audience isn't aware, um, you know, we we touch on content creation, engineering, and and scientific computing tend to be the kind of big buckets big. that we mm-hmm. that we focus on. I'm curious what you're most excited about. Um, in the future like coming soon or or even further further looking forward what do you what gets you jazzed up hmm interesting yeah um i don't know i think i i think the idea of the amount of processing power we have available as desktops being more mobile is something that's kind of exciting um and I think there's a lot of that happening. And then definitely things in the thing, something I've, I've been thinking a lot about lately is some of the failed attempts at like Google Glass, for example, oh, or sure. other like sort of AR things. And I can't wait. I feel like we're on the cusp of having that sort of technology available. Mm-hmm. Um, and the amount of things that I think about sometimes randomly in the day that would just be so cool if if there could be like an AR overlay where I could still see the world around me, you know, not be completely closed off, like with VR goggles, um, but have an air overlay or something like on glasses, even, even if they look super dorky or something, right. I would buy the heck out right. of that. <laughs> I know. So. That's funny you mentioned Google Glass. I'm, I'm often disappointed that Google will put a lot of effort initially into a mm. cool idea and then it just like disappears google yeah. glass being in particular <laughs> um and and especially and i i'm with you there the ar i think ar will be the big the next kind of big thing mm-hmm. um there's there's rumors circulating that apple is working on uh glasses apple oh, really uh, apple glasses yeah and since Google abandoned their project, I feel like they're, I feel like they're going to be the, they're the next logical people who sure. could, who could execute on something that is a going to be stylish. Like mm-hmm. Apple's industrial design is, they're not going to make something that looks like junk. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then also will function well. I think, I think it's going to be if when they, when, and cause it is, is of course a when, not an if yeah. uh, it's going to be amazing. That, I think that would be, I want that Terminator vision too. You know, I want, the, I want the thing where I look at a restaurant and it's, and it's got the menu popped up or like yeah. the reviews or something, or, yeah. uh, you know, my, my Google maps will just paint a line on the road, yeah. you know, in front of me. Yeah. That There's definitely, I, there are definitely some aspects of that, that I'm not excited about thinking about like all the, um, the ad revenue that's going to have to be built into oh, sure. that is sure, be frustrating, sure. I'm sure. Yeah. But, um, but uh, yeah, especially like once the technology gets out there and you get, you know, um, you know, more of the open source communities, I'm sure going to be developing things that are going to go along with that, that may make it a little more um, free of ads and things like that. I'll, I'll definitely sure. be diving headlong into that sort of thing. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm particularly excited too about um, unreal. And and the and the things that people are leveraging with that, uh, I mean, it was amazing, you know, ten years ago when people were doing red versus blue, you know, Mashima yeah. stuff, and now and now, wow, mm. oh, man, <laughs> it's the, come a long way. I mean, yep. virtual production, I think, is 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 just mind blowing. It's so yeah. cool. The yeah. yeah, if you want to talk about one of the industries that's growing largest in terms of like the number of inquiries that we're getting in, that's probably it is people people inquiring about um, Unreal Engine or just virtual production in general, um, mm-hmm. calling in to ask. And like you said, there's so many different industries that tie into that, like the architecture industry. There's a lot of people that want to have a, that VR goggles. Um, walk through sort of experience for people and they can oh. set up like a model of like a new house construction or something that they're making and they want to be able to do that. And there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of, there's some people on, on YouTube that um, is a big thing we've been getting a lot of inquiries about is that uh, this real time rendering is a big thing that people have been asking about a lot okay. lately. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that sort of differs from like a normal, like, 
render out a scene sort of um, layout in that you you build it, you model it, and then you render it out. Um, whereas with the real time rendering, obviously, the idea is that like it's it's in real time. You're literally rendering it out as people are like walking through the space or like scrolling through it or whatever you want to do. Um, okay. And so like it's it was an interest that was another one that was interesting that I didn't have a lot of experience or exposure to that I had to get some information from. And luckily, I, I had Kelly to turn to in the, in the, uh, yeah. in the labs team that that was kind of a good source of information there, but. Um, yeah, I guess the, the trick of that is, is doing a lot of pre-render work still, <laughs> basically, um, okay. is what it comes down to. So you have to kind of layer in um, and light bake ahead of time and get all that data set up so that it's basically just a scene that you can you can walk through easily. But um, And then you have to have a, a pretty big GPU with a lot of VRAM still, <laughs> yeah. if you want it in high right. detail. Yeah, you got to hold that stuff. Well, it's real time. It's, it's got to yeah. be live. Exactly. Yeah. So, but no, that's that's exciting stuff. I think that would be, I mean, really cool to see super high resolution, uh, high detail sort of renders that people have and be able to walk through it with VR goggles. That, that would be pretty awesome. So, yeah, there's there's just, and I mean, beyond that, there's just so many other things that people are, a lot of people doing like LED walls, Mandalorian yeah. style that are that are uh, inquiring into to sort of do that stuff. Those things tend to be pretty expensive inquiries um, sure, because sure. people doing productions like that need multitudes of systems doing oh, different tasks in unreal at the same time yeah. you know um, and lots of gpus lots of quadros typically with sync cards to try and get all those screens to be matched up and frame locked and yeah very expensive <laughs> so. that's cool i i'm i'm looking forward to seeing how some especially when it, the the led wall thing might end up getting kind of um hacked i guess in a way because mm. um you know, we have some fairly powerful graphics cards these days with multiple outputs, and we have right. some, some really, really large televisions and, and monitors mm -hmm. and things. So I'm, I'm curious to see how some people may kind of uh, fake it in a way. You know, because mm. it, it's not, it's not, it's not. It didn't have to be like the Mandalorian. You know, you've seen those behind the scenes shots where it's like right. it's a it's a massive thing. Uh, mm. I, I'm curious. You know, like like behind me, if I had a big 120 inch or a projector or something behind me. Sure. I wonder how well, you know, I mean, I have a 1080 Ti, so it's probably not gonna <laughs> be that great, but I, I just feel like it could be, there's, there, cause it's, it seems to be, you have this, this kind of, this big gap, you have, mm. you know, the Mandalorian sort of volumes, these, these mm. LED wall volumes. And then there's, yeah. there's the folk who are uh, like Matt Workman and, and things like that, who are doing yeah. um, green screen virtual right. production where, yep. you know, it's a, you paying up a bunch of green screen green sheets in your garage and then paint in and now you're walking around in fallout or something. Yeah. And so I, I feel like as as these two things, economies of scale and whatnot, there there's gonna be a convergence, I feel like, where the technology for the walls are gonna get cheaper and mm. also like the fidelity for um like rotoscoping you out of a green screen and whatnot sure. get better too. Yeah, that's. I mean, you're you're absolutely right. It's uh, for me. It's it's always kind of a hard thing. I don't I don't like to act like I know more than I do, sure, and it's no, tough no. to speak on those sort of topics because there's so many moving parts to oh, yeah. what direction that sort of thing is going to end up landing, and like there's, there's so many market pressures too that are going to impact it. Even despite what the best way of doing it would be or the best technology available for using it, um, that may end up going a completely different direction just because of a different way being less expensive to manage, you know, sort of thing. Um, so. Uh, it's, it's exciting. I love seeing the these advancements and stuff in this mm -hmm. different. Uh, it's always it's always it always seems like it's like lowering the barrier to entry. I think is, yeah. is super exciting. So there's so much you can do um, with with some fairly cheap. I guess I don't I don't want to. Mm. I feel like that kind of puts a weird spin on things. But but it's it's just a lot easier to do some really amazing things than and. And it's only just been in the last few years, like very right. short amount of time. We've made some incredibly huge advancements. It's really, yeah. really fun. Yeah. With all, I mean, a lot of it's just like the software tools that have made, been made more readily available and usable to people, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Game trailer would like you to know that it's okay. You can be bloated and boast. Bloated. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> um, yeah, man, it's super cool. Um, is there so outside of work? Let's talk about. Uh, is there anything that you're really interested in or, or excited about um, 
outside of you know content creation and engineering and that kind of a thing hmm. uh, i'm excited uh hopefully fingers crossed in a few months maybe i don't know what the timeline is going to look like uh for for covid restrictions to start lessening sure. um, if we finally get over that hump and get you know herd immunity whatever that means like i'm, I'm really excited to go out and be able to do normal things and live like a normal human again. <laughs> yeah. i'm tired of the inside of my house um, sure to be quite frank, but, um, yeah, apart from that, um, I don't know, like I, uh, any cool technology you're hyped for or anything like that. Man, I'm trying to think nothing, nothing new that really sparks my interest per se. Um, I tend to, I tend to be the kind of person with, with any kind of purchases, I tend to be the kind of person that'll hold off on, on buying anything new until it's had a chance to not only develop first of all, and, and, you know, maybe iterate on itself a little more, but also I just don't, I don't tend to be too spendy on new things for myself, uh, personally, but, um, you know, so after a few years, it tends to lower in cost and be more affordable rather than being on the, on the bleeding edge. But, um, I know I'm a horrible guest. I don't have any. No, 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 no. (laughs) I don't have any fun things to talk about. I'm curious too. Um, so AMD recently, Mm -hmm. the last, I don't know, man, five years, five, six years, um, they have really been the comeback kid. Um, when I first started working at Puget was, it was only just maybe a few months into my tenure where the, the first like Ryzen stuff really released yeah. and, and they've only just made better and better and better advancements mm. in the CPU space. I'm curious of your thoughts on whether or not they're ever going to catch up on graphics cards. Hmm, that's a good topic. Yeah, I, actually, there's some contention, I think, uh, in the ranks in terms of whether or not that's going to be the case. There's definitely some some fanboying that goes one way or the other on that on that topic. Um, sure. I personally, I didn't have a lot of, exp- you know, again, this is like coming back to my personal, um, yeah. you know, not not purchasing things for myself very frequently and things before I joined on with the Puget team. I didn't have a lot of direct exposure to like a lot of the talk around uh, AMD versus Intel or NVIDIA versus AMD and, and things like that. Um, and I was really exposed to that over the last couple of years, basically, as I started kind of inundating myself with that information and, and mm-hmm. obviously becoming an expert on, on a lot of those things. But um, uh, yeah, it's tough to say. I mean, again, it's one of those where it's like, there's so many variables that can impact like there's the market pressures and things like that. I mean, they're doing incredible things and it, it seems like a lot of those technologies go hand in hand in terms of like the advancements and things you'd think that th- there would be similar, uh, you know, things happening on the GPU space compared to the CPU improvements that they've been making. Mm-hmm. Um, but are you going to recognize, obviously um, there, there are different teams of people that are working in those different sectors for different purposes, different focuses, you know? Um, and uh, I, I think that's, that's, from what I've heard anyway, um, there's that's that's probably one of the biggest things is that in terms of raw performance, I don't know that there's a huge gap there per se. Um, I think it's just a matter of focus and like driver support. And again, this is kind of a less educated opinion on this topic, but from my understanding, it's just a matter of like uh, of driver support for the, the like, for example, um, this is some information that I can speak on at least sort of uh, with authority, right. but um, you know, when, when the labs team does testing, because whenever these new products come out, we almost all, I mean, I can't think of a time where we haven't gone and grabbed one of these newer products and, and at least tested them to see how they're going to perform because we have to decide whether we're going to carry them or not. Mm-hmm. And so the labs team will, 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 will get the new, you know, 6,800 XT and 6,900 XT and um, uh, test it, or is it just 6,900 X? I don't know. Anyway, um, as far as the GPU names, the AMD oh, GPUs, <laughs> um, they'll, they'll grab them, they'll test them. And so like, I mean, when they run through those tests, like the, the TLDR of it for most of the stuff that we test for, um, you know, we're again, talking about the video editing workflows, photo editing workflows, CAD cam work, um, machine learning and AI and things like that. Like a, in a lot of them, um, with the price points being so similar as they are, like the performance was either on par or, or less, and in a lot of cases, less than what NVIDIA was. Yeah. And not particularly because the raw performance isn't there, but just because like it's just not optimized for, for work in those in those sort of spaces, from what I understand. Yeah. And that's just kind of like the, again, it's like reading the TLDR of people who are smarter than me doing all this testing and and sort of summarizing it out um, in, is that that's sort of what the what the gap is. And so it just doesn't, make a lot of sense for us to offer it over nvidia when you're talking about the price for the performance you're getting it just just yeah. isn't there so um i feel like um nvidia really did themselves a a, a huge service by by heavily supporting cuda 
Mm. It makes it super yeah. easy for for yeah. for you know software developers and stuff to really uh, take advantage of that. Where uh, I think the I think the the competitor there is OpenCL. I think. Um, right. Yep. And and I, from what I've heard from others is like that is not as uh, easy to to implement and so optimize for. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Because. Um, well, I mean that's that, and that tends to be what ends up being the gap, uh, at least for for what we service. Um, you know, Premiere Pro takes advantage of CUDA for hardware encoding or whatnot, mm-hmm. and AMD just doesn't have that available. Right. No. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, game trailers. I mean, you could imagine Nvidia saying our GPUs go great with AMD CPUs. Uh, <laughs> they wouldn't be able to market that if it wasn't split. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. um, they had mentioned before, uh, one of the best things uh, that AMD had done was to sp- officially split the GPU market and CPU market with Radeon. So, uh, mm. yeah, yeah. Uh, ah, Intel too about to get mm. into the GPU market. I forgot That's about an that. interesting yeah. <laughs> sort of thing. So um, isn't yeah. that focused more on like mobile? stuff right now like do they have a competitive offering for desktop discrete gpus currently or are they working on one i do believe that is the that is the plan um because they've they've kind of dabbled in this in the past if um and this was years ago um they kind of tried to enter the the gpu market a little bit it didn't work out that well so they like uh, they like pivoted it into a compute card. The the Phi, okay. the Intel Phi cards yeah. were were sort of uh, their attempt at a graphics card. But now they they seem to be getting back into that. And uh, give me just a moment. Um, where do they call on these things? I I do think that they're still targeting more toward like an enterprise solution. Okay. Um, but it is a discrete graphics card okay. and uh i'm getting a little mixed of my my quick uh little google search here but um man there's so many interesting changes going on with with intel entering graphics cards yeah give me just a moment i think somebody's <clears throat> scratching at my door Uh-oh. <laughs> Bums. apologize for my unprofessionalism here in the last few minutes um but But yeah yeah. go ahead oh i was just gonna say i you know i from from what little i've consumed of that content it sounds like it's a couple thoughts that i have one uh more competition, more and more players in the space is never going to be a bad thing, in my opinion. You know, yeah. um, when you when you've got uh, sectors of the market that are are split across multiple businesses, it's it just it it makes the consumer win most cases, right. and you know promotes promotes not sitting on your laurels basically as a company and, and just kind of going with the status quo. Um, so I appreciate that personally, and if Intel can make something competitive, awesome. I I am all about it. Um, what I've what I've heard and again this might have been i don't know a previous round of something that they've done before i don't really know yeah um but uh what i've heard is that basically for for you know competing on the level of like 3070s 3080s 3090s versus like 6800 and 6900 amd offerings that that this is kind of be going to be like a first pass for intel where it might not be the most compelling buy um but maybe it'll make sense in a certain market sector um Uh, but then, but then, this is kind of the way to get their foot in the door. Start doing those things more regularly, develop their processes, and be competitive next time around, um, mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, and again, even then, that's that's exciting. You know, that's that's good news um, that people have more options to choose from. So, yeah, I agree. I, I definitely think if they do put out um, a a discrete graphics card to to com- you know it. it to compete directly at least with mm-hmm. AMD and, and NVIDIA in the consumer market. I definitely agree. I think it will be um, kind of <laughs> at that kind of entry level sort of mid range. Maybe I don't think they're, I feel like it's going to be tough to compete with NVIDIA um, in the high end mm-hmm. 3090 Titan and then you start getting into like those the more professional card like quadros and stuff quadros like that. and stuff yeah and I'm not called quadros anymore there oh well yeah they're what? i think it's well so it's uh, up to this point it's been quadro p and k and then whatever the actual card number right. is um and so now they've got the a series but it's they just dropped the quadro nomenclature i guess right um which is oh yeah because it's ampere but, right yeah exactly so it still has that letter and then the number after to indicate which model that you're purchasing but but i guess the quadro parts but, dropped. Hard, but, <laughs> but yeah 
I don't know. I feel they should have kept it because it's difficult to talk about otherwise. Yeah, I mean, we still. Yeah, exactly. Whenever I'm referencing it, I still call it Quadro, and then I just say, oh, technically, it's not Quadro, but here, yeah, it's the new version of Quadro. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's see. Um, oh, actually, I think we were just talking about this game. Trailer asked um, question for DJ thoughts on the Intel graphics development, and yeah, mm-hmm. I think we were, we were just talking about their graphics cards, and then uh, would would uh, Puget supply uh, if they are legit? And yeah, so that's, you know, we, uh, again, no matter what the product is, when we come out with it, like with the lab team is going to get a, get their hands on it if we can um, and, and test it to make sure like if, if there is some compelling reason for us to carry it, we're going to carry it, you know, and, and sometimes, uh, again, it's a situation like the only real competing position that they have is to compete against the lower end on the 3070 sort of vein of things, um, where if the price is just too close, it might not make sense for us to carry it, even if it's a decent value, right? And right. and a lot of times the articles that we put out when we test things are going to indicate that sort of information. So we, so again, like we have this whole other motive of providing as much information to people as possible. And as you know, and then we have the other side of things, which is using that information to, to mix that with some business decisions that we make on what we choose to carry and things like that for to, to sort of serve the, the majority of our customers. But um, especially for people doing their own system build or just to even if they bought a system from us before and they're doing upgrades to keep that system alive longer sort of thing, um, you know, they can delve into those articles to get more information on that kind of thing and make mm-hmm. a decision that works for them, you know? So. Yeah. And I think, I think the best, the best uh, example of, of, of us offering the best product that makes sense uh, is our recent pivot to mostly AMD as the as the wow. core of our of our offerings now it, it used to be uh i mean just a generation ago as far as amd is concerned uh the zen 2 was right about equal with about mm. intel's offerings and and we tended to kind of lean more toward intel simply because of um just kind of lifespan in the market um thunderbolt support was a huge one because a lot of, of our customers move from Mac or, or have to play in both spaces. And, right. and, and then Zen three came out and it just, it made sense because the, the performance yeah. difference was just so, in, so it's just, yep. And so, <laughs> it's a big leap. yeah. Um, and I, I feel cause you know, when you play in these in the technology space, you're always going to get a bit of, of flack for recommending one thing or the other, and sure. you're, oh, you're you're a shill or you're just a fanboy and blah blah blah. <laughs> what about this? And yeah, I, we always just end up pointing at like, look, here's the data. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, we're not paid. We're, we're you know we're not paid by Intel or AMD or or anything like that. Um, yeah to to promote these things it's it's always data and yeah it's an interesting position to be in because you're you're right that that dynamic comes up um with some parts of the conversation but there's so many factors to consider i see in the in the comments actually one of the things somebody says about thunderbolt support Mm -hmm. um and uh yeah that's that's one of the many topics that kind of comes up when we're talking to people about amd versus intel um now there are some boards out there right now one's even one that we carry that that has built in thunderbolt support um Mm -hmm. on the amd side and so a lot of times if people are looking for kind of that mix of best cpu performance but still need thunderbolt there is an option out there um but uh yeah that's that's one of the many conversations that that sort of comes up but we're never going to um we're never going to be like, that's the thing is like people get mad about it, but it's kind of, it's funny that they're getting mad because it's like us being true to that in terms of like recommending AMD. It's not because we're being shills for AMD. It's because we're not being shills for Intel, I guess you could say like, and we're not going to be shills for AMD either. It's, it's a matter of, like you said, collecting that data, trying to give the best information to the customer in terms of not only the performance, but like the long-term reliability. That's another metric that people might not realize we track. Like we, we really try and pay close attention to failure rates over time, whenever we Mm -hmm. put or introduce a new product into our lineup, or even beforehand, we try and get data on that um, and, and try and figure out that goes into decisions about like, which even which motherboard manufacturers we're going to choose to carry from like historical experience we've had with those manufacturers in the past, um, how well they tend to respond to us whenever we have issues that crop up and things like that. And so, um, yeah, it, it's a lot to think about. Um, and, and like trying to take all that information and like parse it to a customer's needs and trying to like allay their fears, whatever they happen to be or, or suit them best, um, can be a tricky, tricky sort of thing. But, but yeah, at the, at the core of it, like we're, we're just taking all of this data that we have and trying to aggregate it in the most helpful way possible without, without consideration to like, 
hurting somebody's feelings, basically. And like, I mean, hurting a company's feelings, I guess, in, in terms yeah. of us having more AMD sales versus Intel sales. Like we're, we're, we're first and foremost, we're going to take care of our customers and make sure that they're not spending more money where they don't need to, or that there's like some similar cost option that's going to get them 20% better performance and whatever their workflow is. That's a, that's a no brainer, you know, like we're not going to, we're not going to do somebody dirty like that. <laughs> right. So. right. I like that. I like that. Cause, um, sometimes you'll see uh, other companies will uh, will just jump on the newest thing, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're selling the newest thing um, just because, because it's new. And um, we, we, I know for, for a fact that uh, we catch um, not flack necessarily, but mm-hmm. there's all, there's always questions of like, Hey, when are you going to start carrying this, this, this brand new thing? Yeah. Why is it taking so long? <laughs> um, and, and it, it just reinforces the fact that we, we, drive so hard to provide the best product that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It comes up all the time. You know, we've got the the, perfect example of one that happened recently with Threadripper Pro. We had the the number of inquiries we had whenever that that got announced. Um, Mm -hmm. It took quite a while for us to get. And honestly, it was just, I mean, with supply conditions being the way that they are right now, it was challenging to get our hands on enough where we could justify turning that switch and saying, yes, we can sell this now. Because if we do that too early, we're going to have a lot of customers angry because it's like we we decided to sell it and list it on the website. And like two motherboards later, we can't sell it anymore (laughs) because we don't have enough supply. Um, And so that's, that's one of the things, but you know, a, a, another one, like, like you're saying is, is all the testing that we have to do to make sure like, okay, somebody's going to be spending an extra, in, in some cases, a couple thousand dollars to go with Threadripper Pro versus just the normal Threadripper or even a Ryzen option. And how much does that make sense? You know, look, look at what they're primarily doing and like, does it even make sense to spend that money? Are you getting enough of a gain there? Um, with Threadripper Pro specifically, it a lot of times comes down to people who are memory bound because the memory oh, support sure. on Threadripper Pro is a lot more than, than, than other AMD systems we've had in our product line before. Right. Um, so memory support and then having more memory channels is a big thing. Um, and then honestly, a lot of us are really excited about the Threadripper Pro because is as expensive as it is and unnecessary for a lot of people um, to be quite frank uh it is a beast of a machine uh i don't know if this is super common knowledge but a lot of systems especially in the consumer space will have these little trade-offs that happen on the board somewhere so Mm -hmm. if you enable this m.2 port then this pcie port gets disabled or this port only runs at gen 3 speeds whereas the rest of them run at gen 4 speeds like there's all these little things that have to kind of be trade-offs because of the power of the they're trying to keep the chipset power under control and they're trying to manage the resources that the cpu has to give to different areas and things like that so there's all these trade-offs that have to be made um and so it's always kind of exciting when you have a product that comes through where there's like no compromises. <laughs> and that's exactly right. what Redder Pro is like. If somebody's just excited to have a system where they don't ever have to think about like, okay, if I do this, does it disable that or whatever, like all these little isms, like right. every single PCIe slot, every single M.2 slot on that thing works. It's got built in 10G networking. Like it's, it's a beast. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. No, I think that's, that's great. I honestly, I feel it's a weird, it's a weird space because you would think, okay, Threadripper kind of tends to be the, what is it, the H-E-D-T sort yep. of offer, mm-hmm. uh, which would, you know, would, would kind of compete with the Core X for Intel. Um, yes. But man, that Threadripper is like a weird sort of in between. It's it's, yeah. it's H-E-D-T, but almost Plus. epic. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, it really is just kind of a epic light almost yeah exactly and that's my understanding of the product is basically they took their epic and just dialed it they're not even dialed it back per se but then they took their epic uh chipset and then put it onto more of a consumer branded thing you know they they gave it wi-fi and bluetooth built in for example um and 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 had onboard onboard like um does it have onboard display plugins i don't actually even know anyway those are you know more of the consumer focused things rather than having the features that are going to be more server uh kind of focused in that and that's where it lands so it's kind of in its own almost sort of in its own space right now where it's it's halfway in between that hedt space and that that a server grade sort of area, but yeah, it makes it so awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really cool. I'm super, I'm super proud of and happy that AMD's kind of on the top of the hill these mm-hmm. days. I think that's super cool. Yeah, it's good. Like you said, competition's good for everybody. So absolutely, yeah. But, you know, I'm, so, and I'm sure Intel will be back with a swing of their own, and that's that's a good thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I hope, I hope 
it, it swings back and forth. Uh, exactly. Honestly, I, I really, I really do have fingers crossed for Intel to kind of come back. Uh, they have some new leadership going on. They, they're making some pivots and some changes here uh, that I'm really excited to see uh, kind of pay off for them. I think. What about uh, NVIDIA CPUs? When do you think we're going to see those? <laughs> well, I, uh, not to go too down, down a rabbit hole or anything. Um, the acquisition, they're trying real hard to do ARM and oh. with, with Apple, um, and the M1, M2 stuff coming mm-hmm. out and how how well that's working out for them. Um I, I feel like I feel like the industry computing PCs <clears throat> and, and computing in general is is poised to make a, a very massive shift. Yeah. Um in that, yeah, in that with way. the big like the big chip little chip sort of thing going on right now. Um, yeah. Big die, little die, I guess, um, on the, like that, the right? processors where it basically that's the same thing that's been happening on tablets and mobile yeah. for a long time. And that's they're starting to it looks like the companies that are making CPUs are starting to think about introducing that to desktop as well. Um, which right. will be interesting to see where that takes us. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that'll be cool. Uh, I think actually that'll be a good place to wrap things up. We are just yeah. a little bit over our hours. Is there anything else you'd like to mention or talk about or shout out or anything? I think I got my saying. Yeah. Thanks for everybody for tuning in. I appreciate it. I, I kind of shout this out to a couple of people on, on social and everything. So uh, yeah. hopefully I'll get some of my friends who tell me they tuned in for a few minutes, but that'd be neat. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, yeah. So thank, thanks, you know, DJ taking time out of your busy day as we find out that you're, you're quite the busy man. So uh, I appreciate you taking an hour out of your day to join us and give us a little insight into, uh, you know, what you do and, and you as a person and all that. So thank you very much. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's right my, my pleasure. Yeah. So cool. I'd also like to thank the audience as well for joining us today. Uh, we do this every Friday, 1 PM Pacific. Um, and we do, we do this sort of thing um, where it's, um, you know, sometimes we'll have internal um, experts like, like DJ or uh, our support team. Um, and then labs, of course, as well, Matt and Don and all those guys. Uh, and then also we sprinkle in, uh, you know, some external experts, clients and, and other people who are, um, just experts in their industry to kind of give you as the audience and our customers and, and people interested a little peek behind the curtain into things. And um, so thank you all for joining us as well today. Um, do mark your calendars 1 PM Pacific every Friday, most Fridays actually, because uh, you know, sometimes I'm not available. So most Fridays, 1 PM Pacific, mark your calendars. We'll see you all next time. Thank you very much. Uh, and yeah, we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>